we are coming with the past which is ashes which dictates our present and spoils our future literally you know what we want to become one day we are in the process of becoming today you're listening to ice cream with investors a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have on Vinny, the Smile Chopra. Vinny is a real estate investor, syndicator, international best-selling author, host of four podcasts, multifamily educator, mentor, dedicated husband of over 40 years, and father of two children. And Vinny came to this country with $7 in his pocket and now has built a portfolio of over 6,500 units, amassing over half a billion dollars in revenue in both the multifamily, senior assisted living, and hospitality arenas. Vinny's nickname is The Smile, and I hope after this interview, you see how genuine, positive, and optimistic he is. Vinny, I'm going to stop and just say, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Matt, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure oh, you know, to be on the show and hopefully I can bring some value to your audience, brother. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we like to start with the difficult questions here. What is your favorite ice cream? Oh my gosh, pistachio all the way, baby. Okay. <laughs> when I grew up in India, you know, pistachios were so expensive. I couldn't afford, my parents couldn't afford, you know, so pistachio is my flavor. Do you uh, put pistachios on your pistachio ice cream or any toppings? I love, I love every kind of pistachios. My wife and I eat actually shelled pistachios, which are kind of, you know, salted and some little spices. And every afternoon, every afternoon we eat. And then I also eat it when I have a little wine or drink or like that. I love pistachios. I challenge anyone listening to this show to eat only one pistachio. It is impossible. They are so good. Yes, yes. Well, Vinny, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? You know, this morning I got up at four o'clock. I mean, you know, I've been getting up at four, four thirty-five, do my miracle morning. A lot of people who know me a little bit on the social media like that, they know I really take care of my body, my mind, my soul. And that is the real key to success. I'll be 70 years of age next year. My wife says, you just turned 69 you know what, I'm already behaving as if I'm 70. When I, I'm 70, I'll be behaving like I'm, you know, 75. The key thing is it's what's in your mind, how focused you are. Literally, I had three meetings between four to eight because I'm on the Pacific coast. It's seven o'clock on the East coast and the Philippines and India and all, they are way ahead of us. So I can accommodate so many marketing meetings and, you know, even had a podcast interview early on in the morning. So I had put eight hours of work between four to eight. Benny, I really hope that I have your energy level when I'm 60 or 70. It's just amazing. Your journey starts very, very humbly. Can you take us back to your beginnings in the United States immigrating over? Surely, you know, we are out of uh, six siblings in India. We lived in the South Delhi in one bedroom apartment. Eight people in one bedroom apartment, never had a fridge, never had a telephone, never had a television, nothing. Just walked, you know, to every place and everything and never had a car, you know, or anything. But I had dreams, you know, and I wanted to become an engineer. I became engineer. I worked in Larson Tubro company, top company in America, which in India, which actually is Reliance Group. Then I came to USA 
for my MBA in marketing. And that was at George Washington University. While I came here, my friend said, Vinny, would you like to sell books? I said, books? I just came from India. Nobody can understand me. Still, people can't understand me. <laughs> you know, they said, no, 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 no. I made some money. It's a company from Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern company that started in 1855, selling Bibles to Confederate soldiers. I said, really? Okay. I, I'm a, I, I just love to try. If it's not facing death or taxes, <laughs> I'll take it, give it, give a shot, right? So I went there, I came to Nashville. They taught us for one week, you know, and gave me some motivational books, Dale Carnegie, Charlie Tremendous Jones, and Think and Grow Rich, all those great books. I still, Magic of Thinking Big, big with uh, David J. Schwartz. I still have those books. After 45 years, they're on my desk. But the key thing is that changed my career from engineering to a salesperson and a sales consultant. Then I joined Southwestern, uh, NEMS it used to be called, a fundraising branch, two companies. And then I retired in 2015. We had 16 companies and we had sold several companies in between. And it was just a lovely, lovely experience being a motivational speaker, fundraiser, public speaker, life coach, things like that. Talk to us a little bit about the transition because a lot of folks in 2020 were forced or took some time to think about their career options and decided to make a move into different careers. How did you, any best practices on how you went from engineer to salesperson? You know, good point. I would say definitely, you know, the sales career is a great career. A lot of people, you know, kind of have this trauma about insurance salespeople, right? But if you are a consultant and everybody's a consultant, a doctor, attorney, you name it, a CEO, a vice president, everybody needs to learn how to deal with people, how to communicate. That's what selling is about. So selling of ideas, selling of products. So I would say that, you know, please pick up some books. The one of the very best books is from Tom Hopkins, How to Master the Art of Selling Anything. I mean, it's a marvelous book. Of course, you know, I mean, uh, John C. Maxwell, we can look at, you know, oh my gosh, my very good friend, I I'm forgetting his name, but Zig Ziglar's and all, you know, they were great, great salespeople and they also taught well. So it's the idea of communication. It's the idea of dealing with your eye, working with your eyes, your arms, like I use my arms a lot. So going to Toastmasters really transformed me, you know, to really start talking with my eyes and my, you know, inflection of voice and things like that. So I would say that's what it started in my W2 job. I worked for 37 years as a W2 employee. You know, and I was the senior stockholder in the company and my stocks went 6,700%. I mean, everything, right? And then I was moved here to expand the West Coast. So we just got married 41 years back in Ohio. And then my company said, President, you know, Vinnie, we are trying to expand out West, our reach. Would you like to move there? So we came to the Bay Area, man, you know, right over there. Uh, 41 years back, I've been married 41, blessedly married with two children, Neil and Monica. Neil went to Berkeley. He's an electrical engineer, computer science. And then Monica went to UCLA. She's did MBA also. She's vice president of my operations of the company and all. 
That's awesome. I, I I think what you were talking about with communication, if there's one skill out there that everyone should go learn is how to sell. And really when I'm, I, so most people know I, in my W2, I'm a sales director. So I, I lead sales teams. And one of the things I tell people all the time is sales can be very sleazy and very, what can I do to get you in this car today? But also good salespeople learn how to problem solve. And if you're a good salesperson, you understand how to listen to customers' problems, understand what they're trying to accomplish. And you just match match your solutions with those problems. Um, so, Matt, you know, God gave us two eyes, two ears, one mouth. Mm-hmm. And I always say that we should be only talking 20% and listening 80% and watching, observing, and we'll be so much in a better place. We'll close a lot more people. Like many times, you know, they say you give some information, then you shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So um, you move out to the West Coast. Uh, how did you get started into real estate then? You know, our peers, that's what happens, right? We are the sum total of five friends, but the five books we have read, our mind, you know, is kind of in that. So our friends over here were in real estate, actually. When I'll meet with them, they say, oh, yeah, we bought a single family home and this and that. So I talked to, you know, my wife and I, we didn't have kids then. We said, we're going to save money and we're going to start buying real estate single family homes. And that's what we did. Every time we found out we had one house growing value from 65.15, we paid 11,000 down to buy it, went to 315,000 in California, in the, in the uh, you know, Modesto area, right? I took a loan of 295,000. This is 35, 37 years back. And that money, 295,000, we went to Arizona, we went to different places and putting a little bit money down, kept on buying single family homes. That's what our real recipe was back then. But then I got, I became a broker and I told my company about that. I was no conflict of interest or anything. But the key thing was that I did not buy or sell. I just learned the tricks of the trade. And then I became syndicator and an investor. And I did not sell anything as a broker, but started buying multifamily. That happened in 2005, 2005. A a lot of listeners out there have bought a couple single family homes. And a question I often get is, should you get your broker's license or should you get your realtor's license or not? What's your your take on that? Not at all. Not at all. You know, I mean, what has really helped me in going through these licenses and all that to understand the psychology and the number and the jargon and all that. But the big thing is I have really had the mantra to talk to listing brokers. So I like to deal with listing brokers because the seller is here, listing broker is here, and I come here, this broker becomes dual agency. He's got fiduciary responsibility to the seller and the buyer, me, and he makes double the commission. So that has really served me well over 16 years and more and more and more and more listing baby boomers, which is a big segment of baby boomers, 10,000 of baby boomers are turning 65 every midnight in USA. And it's going to keep on doing it. And the population of seniors is going to be close to 100 million in the next 20, 25, 30 years. But guess what? There is so much shortage of the housing for seniors. Yep. And I want to dig into that. But before we get there, you mentioned yeah. about double listings with brokers. Um, mm-hmm. I actually found that has been a competitive 
advantage for me when I'm looking at buying single family quadplexes and things like that is going to the listing agent and saying, Hey, I'm interested in this part, this property. And Oh, by the way, you can represent both. And for our listeners out there, what that means is that it, that listing agent now can get both sides of the commission and automatically now you stand apart and they're going to fight for your offer harder than uh, maybe another offer that might be a little bit better. Nathalie, when I have played it, you know, I say, hey, 100% commission of zero is zero in my books. <laughs> Would you like to pitch in 30,000, 40,000? And many times, not many times, but few times the brokers say, oh, sure, let me do it, Vinnie. Let's close the deal. Yep. Uh, yep. So you mentioned buying 35 single families and then getting into multifamily. Um, what what caused the transition there? Why, why did you look to make the move? You know, see, the thing is, in single family, it looks good on the books. But if something goes out, stove or, you know, tenant leaves, then you got to turn over kind of thing and painting and appliances shot out, whatever. Then you have to pay half a month or full month's leasing fee. So at the end of the day, the cash flow is not that much that we think we do. And that's what really did not go set right with my wife and I. We said we want to pay for college education, you know, for our children. We never really believe in taking loans for education ever, you know. So that's when I dug into commercial real estate. And knowing me, I'm very inquisitive. I like to learn everything. I want to find out ins and outs. Being an engineer, apartments caught my attention. I said, holy moly. We have so many homes all over USA. Each property management company is dealing with it. We are losing money on some and making some. Why don't I bring all the properties under 20 dwellings in one roof, collect the rents and have a part-time manager? So that's how it all started. And I bought duplex. Then we bought 14 plex for 14 units for 180,000 Odessa, Texas. Out of nowhere, I live near Blackhawk, in Blackhawk, Danville in this Bay Area. So we've been actually remotely doing all this real estate 40 some years, 41 years or 40 years remotely, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's where, but the multifamily is gonna be here till we die. And next generation and next generation, USA is a renter's nation. It's even becoming bigger renter's nation because of the tsunami that's going through millennium tsunami. I say millennials, that big population of 71 million, the X generation XYZ is coming. They love portability. They like to move around. They don't want to mow the lawn. They want to live in nice, comfortable places with offices. Now with the COVID, we could just get on a laptop anywhere, you know, and work and so on. So that's, I say, the millennial tsunami. The other tsunami is the immigration tsunami, which is, again, they cannot afford the homes. Of course, it's been kind of tied up now with COVID and all, but it'll open up, you know. Our uh, birth rates is negative, you know, uh, in the USA. It's just that immigration and other things and all is keeping us alive up to 3.6 million or 4 million, no, 360 million or so. But then the other population is the silver tsunami. That is about 54 or 57 million, which is going to be 100 million. So that is where... You know, I find apartments, you cannot go wrong, but don't overpay. See, that's the thing. I have an academy where I teach every week. I don't have any coaches, but we, 
you know, train hundreds of people, students at a very minimum cost, you know, to really understand the psychology and how to get investors, how to do syndications, and then the book I wrote and all, you know. Yeah, I think what you're really talking about too is the trend is your friend, right? And if you follow the trend, you're more likely to end up in a good spot. And I, I want to just double down on your single family uh, uh, point there. What I've learned in my single family journey over the past seven years or so is that if you don't have, if if nothing goes wrong at a property, you're good. If something goes wrong, you cannot have that tenant flip over within a year and be cash flow positive. You have to have that tenant in there long term if something goes wrong. So part of my move from single family into other asset classes is exactly that: one home, one door, one single point of failure, and uh, it, it's just. The, the numbers don't make sense for the goals that I'm trying to achieve. You know, so true. And the cash flow is amazing. Not only that, you qualify for loan, better, faster, lower rates with commercial. Commercial is five units or above, right? You know, even I propose getting a fourplex or fiveplex, sixplex, eightplex. It's all multifamily after five. And the other good part is one transaction, you get five dwellings. One transaction, I'm buying 300 units, you know, and one loan, one transaction, one property management company to deal with. It's all just the extra zeros on the right, I say. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so now I want to dig into the silver tsunami and the senior living space. I'm so excited to talk about that because you've already teased us with a little of the reasons why you're in the space. Um, but could you maybe drop those data points again? What What is it that excites you about the senior living space and the silver tsunami as we're seeing? Totally. See, as the seniors age, right? And of course, we are living longer, right? You know, with all the things, technology and a lot more is happening. Today, I was listening to Deepak Chopra, anti-aging, another podcast I came through. I'm really into anti-aging and mind and body and cells. I mean, you know, it's amazing how we transform. We don't think that we are transforming ourselves, you know, with the positivity. And that's why I wrote that book, Positivity Brings Profitability and all that. I'm expanding it now. Senior Living Investing is my third book coming out very soon. So what has happened is there is this crescendo of so many people. If the partner passes away, the life goes down, degrades, and then they lose that touch, that social touch or they cannot cook, or they cannot dress up or take bath, or they need help in you know, giving medicines and all that. Now, independent living is the best way to live. Independent living, not need-driven is the best way. Best way to have enjoyment of your golden years, I call it, right? So on a graph, if we go to the left side of the graph, it's no need-driven and it's independent living, it's downsizing into condominiums. It's downsizing and living into golf course communities and gated communities, and which who can afford. Then in the middle, I call assisted living and memory care. That is the soft spot where we don't need any doctors in our facilities. We don't need any nurses even, state governed. And, but we do have nurse, one nurse always, you know, and these are our multifamily rentals. We build one story. And of course, there are residential assisted living and memory cares, and there are multifamily. I'm in the multifamily space. So I don't want to do 10 units, seven units, buy somebody who's struggling and then 
do some, you know, patch up work and all that, right? In our multifamily, and I'd love to give you a link if you would like to put, we are building them all over in Michigan, in Virginia, in, you know, Florida, we are going to Texas, we'll be all over the country. Two billion is my goal for this decade, you know, two billion with a B. But the thing is, the middle one is the best class because then the third side, which is on this side, you know, there are actually five different spaces, but let's go to the right side. It's very much critically need driven. And that's nursing homes, rehab centers, hospitals, emergency centers, all that where there are doctors involved. There is a lot of machinery and medical equipment. We are not into that at all. That's a whole different business. We are in the middle spot of assisted living and memory care, which is huge, huge, huge demand in the 75 to 100 years of age group. And it's multifamily. In our case, we chose that because that's what I live and breathe and everything. Right now. So we can build one in a retirement community. Hold on. So now I am not only buying apartments in the job markets, which I'm buying in Tennessee's and Nashville and Knoxville and Austin and Florida and all over the place, right? Then we are building these retirement communities, assisted senior living, Hampton Manor is our brand. Anybody can Google us, Hampton Manor. We built 16 of them in Michigan because my partner is from Michigan and he came from Pakistan, by the way. I came from India. India and Pakistan are enemies, but we are the best of the best friends over here. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's amazing how the life brings you in a circle, yeah. you know. And I've been, I believe in law of, uh, you know, uh, abundance and law of, of course, attraction. I've been meaning to get into senior living, multifamily, and see who God, God sent me. He sent him in uh, in my in on my you know to meet me, and now we have best of the friends, best friends, and have big goals of really giving spoiling the generation that has spoiled us and everything. And we build these great communities with high ceilings, with you know spas, salons, dining halls, billiard rooms, game rooms, uh, movie theater, libraries, and all these, you know, putting greens and swimming pools, all that stuff. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Um, I guess I, I want to repeat what I heard just to make sure I'm on track here. You've, when you look at it, the baby boomer population is aging rapidly and aging fast. There's a demand there. There's something about like a hundred million baby boomers that are going to need to move into the senior living space. There's really three different levels. There's the independent living. You live on a golf course or a retirement community. There's an assisted care, which is a light touch care facility that doesn't need doctors or anything like that. And then there's the needs based, which needs a doctor every day and things like that. And you all sit right there in the middle in that memory care. And um, you have a nurse full time, but the nurse isn't really having to touch every uh, resident each day. Exactly. You know, she's there to be, you know, able to guide the caregivers. We call it, we have for 88 units, usually 88 to 92 units. We never build two stories at all in our business plan because we don't like elevators and all that. That's why our, you know, community survived COVID very nicely. I mean, we had zero death, we had very little positive COVID, you know, uh, traction, and we did the, uh, you know, the seclusion 
everything like that. We locked down as the CDC told us and everything. So those kind of things, you know, but the key thing is you're right. It's that memory care and the senior living, which is independent. We take independent and assisted if the husband wife team is there. One is independent. One needs assistance. We take that. You know? Yeah. I've been interested in the space. I've looked into the space a little bit at a very, very high level. And one of the things that keeps popping up is regulation and um, operations. It's very operations intensive. If I am an investor in this, looking on the outside in, help me talk, talk me through those concerns that I, that I hear about this space. Totally, totally. Love to mention it. Remember, there is no regulation on the left side, independent condominiums and everything. We are state regulated which is assisted living, independent care, and memory care. The farthest right, the critical needs is uh, the federal, you know, federally governed, we say. So we actually built everything through the codes of the city and everything, and we buy land ourselves. We go through ordinance changes with structural designing and everything. Then we pass through all the hurdles of getting the permits, and then we build it brand new, A++ luxury senior living, every single one we built from scratch. And that is why we are able to pass all these inspections. And I mean, we have never lost a license, never ever. And actually when people come there, they already, we know it. We have done it so many times. Now we know it what to do. But you are right. It's a real estate, which is a plus plus community we just built. It's the operation side of it with the chef, with the sous chef, with the executive directors, leasing agents, right? Then it's got 55 or so caregivers, you know, who are 24 hour operation. It's a 24 hour deal. So we are vertically integrated. That's the beauty of it. So we are able to cut costs where we need to but we really spend lots and lots of money into the experience, you know, having the different field trips and exercises and the groups coming and the food budget. We put humongous amount with, you know, all these, uh, you know, good, good seafoods and salmons and all and the desserts. And I mean, you know, some of our uh, relatives, children tell us, oh, my mom increasing weight or dad, he's feeling much happier. That is amazing for us, really, because we want to give them the best of the best experience. And Hampton Manor is our brand, which is going to take over the you know, country. I shouldn't say take over, but there are other people also, rightly so. But it's such a need that even people come and compete with us. There is so much pie out there, you know? Yeah, I, I'm sold and I want to move in tomorrow <laughs> if you have any extra space. Um, I, can you talk to us a little bit about like the returns versus multifamily? And we don't have to get specifics and you're not giving investment advice here and all that, but help our listeners understand if I've got multifamily deal and senior living space, what would the returns look similar? Would senior be favorable? What does that look like? Okay. Senior will be definitely favorable. I'll explain why. Because one bedroom apartment or two bedroom apartment in conventional multifamily be class or a class will be maybe 2300 but that will be compared to 10000 possibly in assisted senior living we charge only 4500 by the way you know with a plus communities in florida michigan we charge 45 5000 like that we have never charged 10000 so there is huge increase in revenue 
With 92 units, we can collect four to four and a half million. Hold on. I bought $52 million deal in Orlando. That's not even giving me 4 million. Here, I can build this one for 17 million. And when I stabilize it, it's going to give me 4 million. So it's humongous difference because we are building it brand new, deferred maintenance is zero. All appliances are brand new. Cost segregation dollars are huge. And then the cool part is the residents live in our community average of 30 months. So they don't like to come in and leave. Just like if somebody loses a job or something in regular multifamily, we can stop them, right? We have to turn over the unit. We got the cost of maintenance and everything. That is not happening in these assisted senior living multifamily. So our investors have less risk investing with us. And we have, you know, five or six C fund. So I can talk about it because it's for accredited investors, right? I've done five or six Bs and I've done Cs now where, you know, I can talk a little bit about it. So the returns are much higher, much, yeah. much higher. Sounds like a great place to live and a great place to invest. Vinny, one of the things I, I want to switch us off of real estate for a second, because one of the things I've heard you talk about is your 30-30-30 view on life. Can you give us a snapshot on what that is? Totally, totally. You know, when we are you know, born, we have so much abundance in our energy and style and everything. Then we go through, you know, high school, all that, then college, then we get really busy in getting a career going, right? Get married and everything. That's up to 30. So I'm just saying lifespan, if we all live 90 years, let's just break it up in 30, 30, 30. So next 30, from 31 to 60, we develop our net worth and you know, work hard to accumulate wealth and then invest it wisely, right? But when you turn 60, we are ready to kind of enjoy the life. And that's what I'm in to that phase. When you are working for significance is the wording, you know, from that 61 to 90, you want to be somebody who can give back to the society, somebody who can make some really great things with charities in different countries and so forth like that and donate money and time and wealth and all that, but also make something meaningful out of our lives. That's why I'm so passionate to write books, do podcasts, and really, you know, take care of whatever passion I have right now is to help the seniors have the best of the best experience at Hampton Manors. And that's what wakes me up. And I'm so fascinated to really go, you know, bonkers on this whole thing to develop and build and manage you know, I don't need to work a day in my life anymore, you know, but what really excites me is that I don't want to go to the memory care that I'm building. <laughs> we need to stimulate our mind and make sure that we are doing everything physically to really respect our temple, the body. Body is our temple. That's why I talk about Eckhart Tolle's book about miracle morning, miracle equation, Oprah Winfrey's, you know, soul, uh, Eckhart, you know, of course, there are interviews, free interviews. I think by us really listening positive things, that's why I wrote this book. I'm expanding it, actually. I was not happy with the book. I'm expanding it, making it even bigger and anti-aging and everything with positivity. I'm adding more chapters and my podcast on motivation, I'm adding those, you know, things like that. So really passionate to 
really teach a lot of people also. My university is huge now, you know, educational part of it. I've got vice presidents and all, and I coach myself, students who want to be like me or better. And we give them on silver platter, everything, how to jump into. People are doing syndications in the second month, third month, and they're buying hundreds of millions within a few years, literally, just from learning from me and my team, you know, how we can crush it, you know? Yeah, it really humbles me and inspires me. I mean, when you look at your story, one bedroom for eight people came to the country, grew financially wealthy and, and the success you've had. And then the last 30, you're really just giving it all back through your university and through podcasts and things like this. It's, it's really humbling to hear that from you and to see you live that. I want to transition us now into the last five, uh, last round here. We're calling this the five toppings. My first one is besides your own, what's your favorite book that you've read or a book that you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? You know, one thing, there is a book called One Thing. I hope everybody listens and, or reads them. I listen. I, I subscribe to Audible. I love to buy books. I love to buy now in audio and always be listening. Again, Akhil Tolley, Power of Now. This world will be a better place if we just concentrate on today. Don't worry about yesterday. Even 30 seconds back, whatever happened, one hour back, if we lost a deal or we didn't do this or we didn't do that, we shouldn't batter ourselves. We shouldn't demean ourselves, but we should just look at what can I do right now? And what we do today is going to be the future we are building. I love it. Um, our second one is, I believe the person you become uh, 10 years from now is directly correlated to the things that you do every single day and the habits that you have. What is something that you do every day? You know, again, I try to live the most positive life. As people know me as a positive person, smiley person all over, Mr. Enthusiasm, a lot of people talk to me. And the key thing is, you got to have purpose. you got to have written goals in life. If you don't have written goals in life, you're wandering generality. You will not hit your goals. You got to look at your goals in the morning. You got to look at during the day and you look at at the nighttime and look in the mirror because the person who is really in control of our life is us. Literally nobody else. Nobody else. We can blame thousands of people around us, but it's us who are to be blamed. Yeah, I started viewing my goals every day this year, and it's really made a mind shift change. I always knew they were out there, but seeing them every day makes a difference in, in my experience. Vinny, you're a very wise man. Our third one is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? You know, I have received a lot of, I, have, I, I totally tell everybody I'm a product of my mentors, their teachings, and through books, through I've met Tony Robbins and Lucren, great friend of mine now from Sarasota, who is also in the business coaching with you know Tony's best you know a camaraderie there. Uh, Maxwell Zig Ziglar, I met of course uh, you know John C. Maxwell, all these great mentors and Spencer Hayes, I mentioned to you a little bit while back, and a lot of leaders in my company, Southwestern Great American Company, have taught me so much. So I'm really a great product of all of their teachings, really, to be truthful. But the key thing is, you've got to be open-minded. See, a lot of us are close-minded. We are coming with the past, which is ashes, which dictates our presence and spoils our future. Literally, you know, what we want to become one day, we are in the process of becoming today. 
That's what Spencer Hayes always talk, taught me and had his you know, hand on my head for 40 years, literally from Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. uh, you know, a very good friend who passed away a few years back and just a wonderful person. Yeah. Well, Vinny, you're at uh, 69, the youthful age of 69 right now. When you look back, what's the thing that you're most proud of in your life? You know, I think in my life, I'm proud of a lot of things. I think it's like my marriage to my wife. I'm really proud of that I married Kanchen and she's just a support uh, rock, you know, in our relationships. She's, she's taught me so much. I'm very flamboyant person, very much shopaholic, you know, buying shoes for $700 when I had zero money. Two things, I lived the lifestyle of a king when I didn't have money and now I have so much money, so I even spend more. <laughs> but the thing is, I would say definitely that was my very good moment when I came to this country and then when I married her and now we have great children and you know, happiness comes. Every moment is a happy moment. We cannot find happiness in the future. If we are not happy today, we got to really define what happiness means to me or us. And I was happy when I was walking to my school in Motibag, you know, walking distance in a tent. When it rained, you know, we had to, you know, get all drenched up in water because we were sitting on the floor. <laughs> we didn't have desks, you know. <laughs> so I was happy then and I'm happy today. There's no doubt about it. Uh, being proud of having a marriage of 40 some odd years where you speak so highly of the other individual is a very, very th difficult thing to do. So that's that's definitely inspiring and something I look up to. Um, our last one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, my God, dead or alive, you know, alive would be so many people who have influenced my life from my, you know, my friends, of course, but maybe one person I'd love to eat ice cream will be Spencer Hayes, like I mentioned to you. Just a great, great uh, individual. You know, uh, Henry Bedford comes to my mind. Tom McDowell comes to my mind. You know, great people, they're alive, you know, and they are from Nashville and so forth. And Kevin Hawley, who has helped me so much and lots of great people, you know, who have helped me so much in my life. I'm really a tribute. I want to pay gratitude to all of them. Yeah. Well, Vinny, this has been fantastic. And I said this before the show, but I want to make sure that we catch it on recording that when I had an idea of starting the podcast, you were the very first person that came to my mind. Not that we had ever met, just that I had heard you on other interviews and your positivity and your energy and your smile is just so infectious that I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that we had an opportunity to sit down together. If I, if I wanted to, if our listeners want to learn more about you and what you're doing in the senior living space and the, the coaching in the university, where's the best place we could point them? Totally, Matt. You know, they could just Google me, Vinny Chopra, V as in Victor, I-N-N-E-Y-C-H-O-P-R-A. My website is also www.vinnychopra.com. And you could go to invest or partner or learn everything. You know, I'm all over the social media podcasts and really want to give so much back to this, you know, community uh, who has really built me literally. And I want to really, you know, be as much help to millions of people around the globe. Yeah. If you just type in your name, you pop up everywhere on the internet. So our listeners should have no problem finding you. Teddy, thank you so much for your time. I, I'd love to come back and hear more about the senior living space as you continue to go down that road and get to your goal of 2 billion. So I hope you come back and join us sometime soon. 
Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.